0: This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by the folks at iOvation. They have a mobile multi factor solution called LaunchKey, which they would love you to try out. Visit demos.launchkey.com for your free demonstration. And thanks to iOvation for supporting the show. Smashing Security, Episode 22, Walk This Way to
1: Defeat Biometrics, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, Episode 22. And I'm joined this week, as ever, by my chum, Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hey. How are you doing? Are you all right?
2: Well, now, you know, so last night, I cut off the tip of my baby finger What? Not like – no, no, okay. Okay, that that sounds – that's a bit hyper – I cut off the very tip.
1: Oh, not halfway along?
2: No, 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 no. Above the nail, but it means you can't type if you're someone who types with your baby finger all the time automatically.
1: What you're trying to tell everybody is that you're so cool that you're a full-on all-finger-touch typist, really. Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. I really, really wish I wasn't now, I'll tell you. And I can't play guitar. I can't (gasps) do anything.
1: It's really irritating. A huge loss to music. Tony Iommi – Uh, managed to play guitar after chopping the ends of his fingers off on his last day at work before retiring. And what about
0: that drummer in Def Leppard who lost his arm? Well,
2: that's drumming. That's easy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, one-handed guitar playing could be quite tricky, (laughs) Uh, I suggest. There is a certain requirement for two arms.
0: And as you've heard, we're joined by our special guest today, Paul Ducklin. How are things for you, Duck?
1: They're super um, just so everyone knows, Graham and I are in Manchester. We were to be presenting co- well, presenting today at an event which very sadly was cancelled for reasons that anyone in the UK will probably understand because we were going to have the event at the Man U football stadium. So they've sort of put that into lockdown.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sadly. Yeah, it's very sad. But uh, hopefully we can... Uh- race spirits a little bit. Um, we're not going to be talking about that kind of security issue today. Instead, we're going to be talking about computer security. And uh, as always, uh, we've chosen a few stories, what's been going on in the news, things which have caught our eye in the last week or so. And I I wanted to start it off with some some stories of bizarre biometrics. Um, first of all, we've seen those chaps at the Chaos Computer Club up to their old shenanigans once again and they have released a video of themselves bypassing the iris scanner in the Samsung Galaxy S8.
2: Oh, how did they do this? How did they do this?
0: Well, the Galaxy S8 is one of the first mainstream phones to offer iris recognition as an alternative for unlocking your phone as opposed to passwords and pins, which most people use. And um, if you read the marketing material, it says the iris recognition, you know, is airtight security, allows consumers. To finally trust that their phones are protected,
1: quack quack. Um, <laughs> as you probably guessed,
0: that's not not
1: that the case. That sounded like a quack. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm entirely happy with that. But I oh, guess yeah. it was Family Fortunes, was it?
0: it? It was a goose quack rather than a a, a duck quack. Thanks for so that quack. Uh, yeah, that's, if, if that good. helps make you feel a little bit better, it does. So what they did was this. Um, they obviously set out to fool the sensor, so they took a photograph of their their person of interest, as it were, from a few metres away. They printed it out, and they put a contact lens over the iris to imitate the the curving of the eye. And that's all that was required. You know, it's really fairly basic. All you needed was a digital camera, a decent laser printer, ironically, apparently, Samsung printers provided the best results of all, and a
1: contact lens. And they were able to unlock the phone. I don't think this is really surprising, is it? Because it's photographs and printers that have been the the hole, if you like, in previous biometric measures like fingerprints. You take a photo of the fingerprint and then use it to generate, you know, a simulacrum of the of the original fingerprint. And it, it doesn't really surprise me that you're, you're relying on. A photo of your iris taken by the camera in your phone. So it doesn't beg a belief that an image taken with a camera of similar quality can produce the resolution required to fool the yeah, camera. Yeah, but I
2: think most people would think that an iris scan would be as safe as a digital fingerprint
1: scan. Would you think? Yeah, I think you're right. right. And I guess the thing, is, oh, well, iris scan, and just to, just to be clear, an iris scan is is not a retina scan. Oh. A lot of people confuse I- them. A retina scan is... Is where is the old school way of doing it, where you have to put your eye right up against something that shines a light in, and it takes a picture of the blood vessels right. at the back of right. your eye. That never caught on because obviously you have to keep sticking your eye up against something. So imagine at an ATM. Mm-hmm. If the previous guy had conjunctivitis, <laughs> well, so did you. So it was ne- it kind of felt a little Ew. bit weird and intrusive, like peering into this device. <laughs> so the iris, it's actually the pattern on in the coloured bit of your eye. Now let's assume that, that that is unique for you yeah. i mean that, that you know and, and it's super unique and the way that the images get processed and the, the 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 algorithm used kind of generates this unique well fingerprint or checksum for your iris yeah. that can all still be true and in, in fact in a way the the, the the more likely it is that your iris is unique the more likely it is i suppose that the copy of your iris won't clash with anybody else's mm. And um, so it's not surprising that the, the weak part is that it relies on essentially a photo right. that's captured by the phone.
0: And, and the weak part is that the marketing material keeps on trying to present this kind of protection to people as being, you know, really airtight, it says. You can finally trust your phones are protected. And I'm thinking, well, I'd rather have a pin or a decent password on
2: it. Do you know what? I am sure someone inside came up and said this could be done. And they probably, I mean, they must have known this was a possibility if you're doing this and you're building a kind of security iris
0: scanner. Well, the thing is, any nerd is going to try this, right? It'd be one of the first things you would try. If you were building this kind of technology, you'd be thinking, what happens if I've got a decent printer? And and in this case, they've combined it with a contact lens as well um, in, in order to unlock the thing. So in It wouldn't be surprising, but I guess these things are still being developed because they're cool. And they're the kind of things you want to show off to your friends say, hey, look, I can just look at my phone and Mm. it unlocks.
1: I wonder if you even need a printer or whether you could actually do a similar thing by actually taking the photo of somebody's eye and then displaying the photo on the screen of your phone and you could put the little distortion lens on it and holding that up.
0: Or maybe with mirrors. Maybe you could, if you had assembled the right collection of mirrors... (laughs) in place. Maybe you could then sort of somehow, and and something which a magnifier as well, maybe then you could get, I'm getting a little bit carried away, aren't I?
2: It's the first time, Graham, it's the first time. Graham
1: Angus MacGyver. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I've got another biometric kind of story for you as well.
2: What? Two for one?
0: A bogo? I know. I, I know. I just I just felt like doing it. Some Australian researchers. Right, so first of all, we've decided, all right, so we're probably not going to use our irises because it turns out that's no good at all, despite what well, Samsung it, are telling it's you.
1: It's not no good if you're using it in conjunction with something else. I guess as a second factor, it's kind of better than nothing. Okay. but And yeah, uh, like with a fingerprint scanner. So. But I agree with you. I'm yeah. going to stick to my lock code because... I, right. I kind of feel a bit a bit safer with that.
0: So a bunch of Australian researchers have created a wearable gizmo that not only generates powers through the kinetic energy as you're sort of waddling down the high street. Cool, cool. But yeah. it also turns your gait into a, a supposedly unique authentication.
1: Okay,
2: Yes. No, I've heard this actually. I've heard that everyone's walk is very unique.
1: Yeah. I think it's been yeah. used in court cases before as an yeah. evidence from video that this, you know, they couldn't make out the guy's face, but the way he walked was sufficient to, to, to remove some doubt.
2: I've seen this on forensic files.
1: <laughs> oh, well, there you go.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, I, I remember, in I think it was in the uh, in the early 1990s. I remember a, a few college friends were always teasing me because they claimed that I walked like the Hoffmeister <laughs> Bear, um, who was a popular uh, mascot for a beer um, in the early 1990s. Who had a, a ah? When you said Hoffmeister,
1: walk. I thought you meant the Hof. <laughs> no, oh, <it> only, <laughs> uh, my mind was boggling a wee bit there.
2: Oh, Greg. can you imagine him <laughs> jumping into his Night Rider car? Oh. <laughs> so, okay, okay.
0: yes, no. The leather no, jacket. Really. The hair. No, let, let's get let's get Oh, please don't uh, you, put me off everything. Put let's get back to password being Okay, go go go. Word. I'd rather okay. talk about your mullet Greg. <laughs> According to CNET, I'm not going to let you distract me. According to CNET, the device monitors the pattern of power generation caused by the gate's kinetic energy. As the movement creates small dips and troughs in the amount of energy being generated, the device is able to resolve it into a unique signature. You just stole that because you had no idea how to say that. Well, it was was so beautifully written by CNET. So the obvious thing to do is work out, well, how unique are these signatures? And so what they did was they got a bunch of imposters. So they got some devices which had already been linked to particular people with particular walks. And then they asked people, can you try and mimic their walk to see if you can get into the device? And apparently some people managed it. 13 times out of 100, so 13% of the time, they were able to bypass the authentication method by sort of mimicking the walking. you know. Now, clearly, that's not good enough, right? They're going to have to keep on refining this technology if they're going to be serious about rolling it out. But um, it suggests that the developers are on the right um, path.
1: (laughs) God. Oh, dear. Golly. Was that were you leading up? Yeah, I think the whole story, I think the whole
2: reason Graham brought up the second kinetic walk path,
1: yeah. I, actually, it's interesting because when you, you told me about that just before we started recording, I was, I, first when you said it, it it detects your gate, I imagined it was, you know, something to do with the gate at the, <laughs> at the end of your driveway going up to your house, <laughs> you know, when you open, so you can tell the way someone opens the gate, whether it's friend or foe. Um, but actually, was, when you said it meant gate as in G-A-I-T, I was figuring I wonder how with a how you extract that information? Because all I've, I've read about gate recognition before, as uh, as far as I know, is related to video, where you actually look at right. it, and I suppose you digitize how the points mm. move, like you would for for animation software and so forth. I was wondering how they do that when it's measure. It's a thing that you carry that you measure. I'm um, doing power generation. I I don't know whether you have to wear something that that straps on <laughs> either side of your <laughs> knee or something. Uh, it seems like an interesting way to do it, but I just wonder how much. How, you know what how much significance there is in that data you know do you get an 8-bit check somewhere yeah. a 32-bit or or, or ha- ha- how much do you get out that that allows you to to kind of work well, it there are some people who were.
0: have very unique walks aren't there it's not just the Hofmeister bet there's John Cleese with the ministry of silly walks from the Monty Python days you know that would although a lot of people of course try and take off that walk there's um, the Bangles who used to walk like Egyptians <laughs> Um, you know, there's there, there are some unusual ones. There are the Teletubbies, who kind of sort of sort of
1: boing around.
0: <laughs> it would be no use on Daleks at all. I mean, if they were just sort of rolling around, I, I can't imagine that would be any use. But um,
1: I wonder what happens if you if you have some kind of a minor injury, yes. like you strain so, your ankle yes. or you hurt your knee, or, whatever. or if you're in a wheelchair, because you think with fingerprint. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose I suppose there'd still be something unique about you know the way you put the way you power with, you, with, with your, your arms. With your yeah, arms. so you're going to need to on I'm your thinking, arms as well, or it, I, I don't it's know. Gonna, quite it makes, how it's going to Yeah, going to work. I wonder if you need a full body suit. <laughs> imagine <your elbows laughs> but imagine adults, imagine be-
0: you were out in the hinterland and you, you, you stumble and you twist your ankle and you can no longer walk normally. And you think, oh, at least I can call emergency services on my phone. And it's like phone remains unlocked. Phone remains unlocked because you can't generate the password anymore.
1: I think you'd find that there'll be a regulation requiring 999 or 911 to work under all circumstances, I have a phone I carry, a little Mars bar phone that I carry mainly as an alarm clock. And just because it, it's only weighs 60 grams and I don't have a SIM in it and you can always make emergency oh, yeah, calls on point. that. So I guess they've thought of that mm. bit. Good point. But it does seem that your gait is more likely to be altered by by immediate surroundings or, or recent happenings than, say, a fingerprint or an iris or. Or a, yeah, if right, you're wearing stilettos. As you do.
2: But I but the thing is is you're wearing it all the time. So it's collecting a lot of information, right? So I guess the longer you wear it, the more accurate it can be.
1: Ah, that's an interesting mm. observation. I wonder if you have to if it sinks back to the proverbial cloud um, in order to find out about it. it's not your sort of hmm. walkie DNA. Yeah. Huh. Oh, there's privacy concerns then as well, aren't there?
0: They work lunch. out, you know, that on Saturday nights you tend to get uh, the high heels on or something, or you go, you know, you go jogging or whatever it is that you might do in high heels. Well, I, don't, I have no
1: idea, you know. It's just, About jogging, you could or train hike. it. <laughs> I wonder if you could train it to recognise particular dance moves, so, so how you <laughs> waltz or how you do a tango, and then when you actually for, for super important things like when you actually want to pay money out of your bank account, then you do a quick. Twirl. It could send
2: you push notifications, like if you're walking purposefully, it'd be like good luck at the meeting, Joel, or you know, or have fun at the have fun at the danceathon.
1: You can just imagine an app like that, can't you? That gauge your mood from your gait. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll it, yeah, good luck at the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Duck, let's, so that's let's, interesting. let's move on. Duck, what have you got for us? Well, I was rather intrigued. Uh, this is not an absolutely bang up to date story, but the, the message is still relevant to all of us. It's a follow on from, I, I think we spoke about this last time I was on, about the Handbrake app. For Macs, yes. where the handbrake server that stored this video transcoding app one of the servers actually got hacked yeah. and the crooks instead of going in and trying to steal videos or encrypt all the guys files they actually poisoned the the download dmg file for the mac so that when you installed it you still got the regular app but you got some secret sauce alongside it mm-hmm. um that almost immediately went after your keychain which is like the the Mac's built-in password manager if yeah. you like and uh, the the browsing and web data history, cache, etc., cetera, et cetera, for, for four different browsers that it knew about, Opera, Firefox, Chrome, and Safari, as far as I recall. And it immediately uploaded those to the Crooks. And it turned out, now it was only up for a few days, so only, and only people who downloaded from this one of the two servers and did an install rather than update actually got infected. So it wasn't enormously... In, are successful in terms of its penetration, so there's no sort of wanna cry panic here. But I use the word panic because the the, <laughs> the guy behind a a, a, pa- a company called Panic Inc. They make FTP and SSH apps, and they have a thing called Panic Sync, yeah. which is a background cloud data storage service. He actually got. He got infected by this because he happened to install it at the wrong time. Ah. And as he said, I feel like a monumental idiot for having fallen this, but do read my story. What happened afterwards is almost immediately he noticed that there were alien logins to his Git account wow. uh, accessing his source mm. code. Now he can't prove that they're related, but there, there's kind of a there's a strong Qu- post hoc ergo propter hoc going on yeah. here. And what was amazing is just the speed with which this happened. And you imagine that the reason for that is it's all automated by the up goes his web browsing history, up goes some kind of Git authentication token, and in go the Crooks right away to have a sniffle around and grab his stuff. So he didn't lose any data like you would in a WannaCry infection. In fact, he still had his stuff, but the Crooks had it too, and they had it almost Mm. instantly. Yeah, it's so
2: fast. And,
1: uh, you know, that... That's that warning that it doesn't necessarily require your stolen data to go into a queue where a human operator handles it in 45 minutes' time, or doesn't necessarily go into an underground forum where anybody else might buy it in two weeks' time. Although both of those things could clearly happen. But in many cases, it does look as though this is, there's an, there's kind of industrialized cybercrime machinery behind this sort of malware grab your credentials as soon as you've got them, particularly say if it's a login token, it's only going to be valid for a little while. So go in right away and just see what you can get because everything's got that bit of value to the crooks these days. Yeah,
0: I guess they know strike while the iron's hot because you know every minute that goes past may be a, a chance for their victim to take action to try and lock you out yeah. of accounts and, and, and close change doors. passwords. And so maybe again it's no surprise that these things are becoming so automated Um, in their in their exfiltration of data so our message to mac users is you know don't think that criminals are turning a blind eye to you although most of the malware we see is written for windows and and then maybe android Um, mac users are being targeted as well you should be running security software you should be following best practices to keep your systems defended and protect your data because you could be next Oh, how about this It looks like a sponsor slot has just popped up. And it is my pleasure to thank iOvation for sponsoring this episode of Smashing Security. iOvation is a company that creates authentication and fraud prevention solutions, helping to secure businesses while making it simple for users to log into their favourite apps and services and they have a new mobile multi-factor solution called LaunchKey that can be built into your mobile apps, websites, and online services, providing a simple, streamlined, remote login function. It promises a path to a passwordless future and provides a way to stop storing user credentials, meaning you won't have to live in constant fear of your users' details being hacked and the consequent damage to your brand. You can even white-label iOvation's LaunchKey to fit in with your brand. Now, the great news is this. Smashing Security listeners can benefit from a free demo of LaunchKey. Just visit demos.launchkey.com to try it out. And thanks very much to iOvation for supporting the show. (laughs) <laughs> Duck, it's always a pleasure having you on parole. Um take take us what have you got for us? Carole?
2: Oh, I only have a teeny tiny story right. because I hurt my finger.
0: Oh, you poor thing. <laughs>
2: um okay, so I want to talk about the Canadian economist and governor of Bank of England and chairman of the G20 Financial Stability Board. Do we know who I'm talking about? Mr. Mark Carney. So he was duped in an email prank and the, I wanted to talk about it for two reasons. One, to talk about email security and watching out for the, for pranksters like this. But also he came out looking quite not bad out of this, I think. Okay. And I wanted to get your, your opinion on it. Okay. So here's what happened. Um, so Mr. Carney receives an email from Mr. Habgood. Now he happens to be the court of the Bank of England and he gets it from his personal email address, anthonyhabgood at hotmail.com. Now, turns out, of course, that's not Mr. Hapboots email address, and it was a prankster that was using it, and he started an email exchange with Mark Carney. Uh, now, it, it was quite interesting reading the thread. The thread's been, of course, all published now on Twitter, and the thread opens up referencing Jane Austen because she's going to be on the new £10 note, and there's conversation about it because these, apparently they've prettified her for the, for the bill. Um, as a, so there's a, lot, a few articles out there showing this is what she really looked like, and this is how she's been pretty. They've airbrushed the her. They've airbrushed. In her. In
0: case it's, anyone thought, oh, I won't use a ten-pound note because you know <laughs> she's not quite pretty. Yeah. Why would they? Why would they do or, that? Yeah, exactly. It's or, Jane Austen for goodness' sake. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She does. She hasn't earned. She hasn't earned enough. You know, in Legacy, she has to also have a bit of rouge on. Uh, I'm going to show elderly.
1: my my ignorance here that I don't know that that when she was born and died, but so she. She lived in the photograph, the daguerreotype era, did she?
2: No, they didn't photograph her. They they have drawings of her, but they seem fairly accurate. I put in our document, I, I threw in a few images so you could take a look if you want to comment. If
1: you're working off artists' impressions, then aren't you allowed to artist impression your artist impression?
2: Well, they certainly did, and they've made her look very pretty. So there's a little bit of argument about that, and people are talking about it, and this is how Anthony Habgood, the email prankster, started the conversation. Saying,
1: he wasn't
0: really Anthony Habgood, though. We no, were, we no, no, no. He wasn't really prankster. the chairman of, uh, no. yeah, yeah, of the Bank of England, right? There, so." <laughs>
1: I guess that's quite a cool thing to choose, isn't it? Because it's kind of, it's not real, it's not really business. Like you don't have to know all this about economics, but it's it's stuff that's the relationship between the Bank of England and the public. It's kind of like an issue. And so it's like quite a cunning choice.
2: Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So I think that's how we establish trust very quickly. So even if, um, you know, Mark Carney might've gone, I've never received an email from his home address before. The first opening line kind of talking about Jane Austen's face, but not saying that. So what he writes is apparently her face resembles that of someone who had a bracing martini. You know, I prefer scotch myself. So it has a kind of a, a tone of uh, camaraderie right. and authority. And so anyway, Mark Carney fell for it and responded back, but just said that he'd have a few martinis. So there's nothing, you know, it makes reference to uh, Eddie George, who was the a uh, uh, Bank of England uh, head. What, in yes. The 80s, 90s. Yeah. Year, yes. Yes. Yesteryear. Um, anyway, so the conversation goes on. And then the prankster, who's pretending to be Anthony Hapgood, starts saying, can you come to a party? He says, you'll have very pretty ladies there. And he'll keep the glasses low down so that you can kind of see uh, their enchanting dexterity. And Carney basically closes down the conversation right there and then.
0: It's a little unprofessional, isn't
1: it? At that point, is, is that a prank? Or well, is it going a little bit beyond that? I mean, is that is that? I suppose it's not trying. You're not trying to obtain money by deception or anything. So I, I presume it's not a criminal offence.
2: I'm really glad you bring that up. This whole idea of prank, because this guy who's doing this, this is not the first time he's done this. He's also done this to the CEO of Barclays or the president of Barclays a few weeks ago. Um, so, so that he's calling himself email prankster. So it's like a self. It's, he's self-titled himself that, and that, and the press have grabbed on to that title.
1: Yeah, he's not going to call himself low-grade Fisher, is he?
2: Right, <laughs> and that's what he's doing, and that's exactly what he's doing. And then he's publishing all this, and he's and he's using the excuses. That, look, I'm trying to tighten security because if I can get into the Bank of England and make you know the head of the Bank of England look like an idiot, then you know what are, you know. Shouldn't we have look at this? So some people are arguing this is a good idea. What do you think?
0: Hmm. Mm. Well, I don't really like these sort of. It's not really phishing because he he wasn't after a password or something like that, but he suddenly, he was trying to embarrass these chiefs of the banks and he, he, you know, by being a little bit lewd and all the rest of it. And And you
2: bet your bottom dollar he probably would have published whatever he could get his hands
0: on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the whole conversation is out there now on the web for people to go and have a look at. but I just think if if email security needs to be tested, shouldn't it be done with the permission of the organization ah, itself rather than if ev- everybody could launch these kind of things? You've just I?
2: fallen into my trap, though, Graham, because oh. didn't you open this whole podcast talking about the Samsung and talking about people trying to break that
0: security? Well, that's not breaking. Let me think.
1: It's not Britain. I think that's a bit different Carol a, there you've got this technology that has been pitched as airtight and it's the it's the security process between oh duck um, to the rescue you know, <laughs> b- between the individual that the person who bought the phone and yes. the operating system yes so, that's true in other words it's a, li- it's a little bit I- i'd say that that's more like you take a version of Windows and you decompile some of the stuff to see whether there's a bug in SMB, for example, and you find that there is. That's kind of uncovering an exploit. That's a little bit different from then taking that exploit and using it against someone so you can say, ha, ha, ha.
2: Yeah, and I think think there
1: is a difference between the two. And he's arguing—he's
2: arguing. arguing, Our prankster here is arguing that he's trying to show that the Bank of England is not as secure if he can, you know, he can filtrate via email like this. So I, you know, that argument, I. Think does hold some water. Well, I
0: think he showed that a few weeks ago with the bank. And he showed thing. it. I'm not sure yes. why it's necessary to show it again with the Bank of England thing. I mean, it's. It, I think to drive the point home. I mean, I'm just mm. play
2: devil's advocate. I think he's getting the point home, and I suspect people are going to start thinking about internal pen testing and looking at phishing simulations, right, and trying to just you know test get their employees up to scratch on that to keep be
0: be but aware what, of these things. What I would hate is if hundreds and hundreds of people started sending off these sort of emails to CEOs up and down the country, and people are having to deal with this, you know, you get enough spam
1: and nuisance messages. 100%, 100% agree,
2: 100% agree, 100%
1: agree. Yeah, I suppose not everyone's going to do it. And you can argue that if somebody is a, a, you know, essentially, if you like a public figure as important as the, the head honcho of the Bank of England, then if it were to have been shown that he was like a drunken, crazy sexist chap that would have kind of been in the public interest
2: yeah and, and this is not
1: clearly in this case he passed yeah. seems like he passed the test with flying colors he smelt. you know he wasn't going to respond probably figured that's not how my colleague would talk anyway and then you imagine and what doesn't get shown in the in the, in the so-called prankster <laughs> stuff is behind the scenes you'd imagine that they would have contacted each other and i see security and said hey someone's trying to someone's trying to impost you yes.
2: That's not as fun as my, the way I thought, I saw it yeah. as, you know, he's sitting there like, you know, remember Terminator, Terminator 2, when Linda comes around the corner and she sees, she sees Arnie Schwarzenegger coming towards her and she kind of slides across the floor, pushing herself back. That's what I imagine Carney did when he realized going, <laughs> Oh God, I've been duped.
1: <laughs> well, it is important. That it's almost like when, when he, when you, if someone does that to you and you realize that they're fishing, then, you know, yeah. they're, they're, it's they're pan- imposting somebody else. It, and that's a colleague, it's really important that you let IT security and that other person know. Yes. Because actually it's, you figure, oh, that's great. That That's fine. You know, I, I didn't fall for it. But actually it's the other person's name who's now risks being made mud.
2: Yeah, good um, point. If this yeah. doesn't
1: get reported, because imagine that he does this with the same person's name, under the same person's name several times, and he gets slightly varying responses. Mm. Then mm. it kind of make you could pitch that as though well obviously that's how this chat behaves in real life otherwise everybody would have closed off the correspondence sooner well Um, I know know, that yeah and and I know that Barclays
2: Barclays since you know this happened to them similar situation a few weeks ago and they've now instilled the situation so every time an email goes outside the company or outside the network there's a kind of pop-up now Part of me kind of thinks was just going to say yes. I know it's going outside because I know it's the you know home address. I think uh, people just need to be more wary. So, and this is probably going to become more popular. And he is this person. This is the problem with this is it's making it popular because he's
0: getting press for it. And we're and even do, talking. about Do you about know it. who I feel sorry for,
2: Mister Carney?
0: No, Jane Austen. Because Jane Jane Austen today, if she had a bad photograph taken from if she was on a night out, right, you know, enjoying herself with the Brontes or something like that, you know, and someone took a photograph and she thought, oh dear, I look a bit bad in that photo. Do you mind deleting it or can you take that off Facebook? It would have just happened. As it is, we've got this one line drawing of Jane Austen which is being used over and over again (laughs) for us to work out what she looked like. It could have been drawn by some completely incompetent artist who didn't capture her true beauty and Forevermore now we're thinking oh that that picture of Jane Austen on the banknote that can't be accurate she's far too attractive she needs to look like this minger instead I think it's a bit unfair on lovely Jane Austen oh what she she can only be lovely if she's good looking
1: it's a good job you don't have strong feelings about it Graham
0: <laughs> I actually I studied Jane Austen when I was doing English literature and one
2: of the only books Graham I'm sure you studied
0: <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't bear it it wasn't my cup of tea at all didn't yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was load oh, of rubbish that
2: explains so much
0: doesn't yeah. it? And on that bombshell, I think it's time to wind up the podcast for another week. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Paul Ducklin from Sophos. We greatly appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yes,
1: it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: And Carol, thanks for joining us as always. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or in your favourite podcast app. And if you would subscribe, then you will get every episode as it comes out. You won't miss one in future and you might even want to leave us a review on itunes because it makes a big difference and uh means more people get to hear about the show thanks for tuning in if you like the show tell your friends let us know what you think go to www.smashingsecurity.com and you'll find our email contact form links to our twitter and places like that and until next time toodaloo
2: oh and crawl hope your finger feels better thanks (coughs) no problem no problem i was here doing the show for you even though i was injured welcome high five
1: no no high four high four <laughs> four point eight six three two nine great right. i've got My a sore one. toe does that count
2: <laughs> you try typing
1: yeah try the typing with your toes do you know how hard that is <laughs>